budget program created by Rio Grande. Plumas County Sheriff's Office calling all cars. Attention all sheriff's cars. Broadcast 221 regarding an attempt murder. Suspect described as a male American, 5 feet 9 or 10 inches, 145 pounds, had dark hair. This man shot the proprietor of a railroad restaurant in Portola at about 3.30 a.m. this day. That's all. Rolls and clips. Oh, 
about you? I don't know. Ask for cigarettes. Wanted money. You stay right still. I'm going to phone the hospital. Come here, Charlie. Help me get Lou as comfortable as we can until the doctor gets here. I'll see you right, please. Lewis Dilt was rushed to the Western Pacific Hospital and Constable McIntosh phoned Sheriff Brayton in Quincy. In a matter of minutes, deputies were searching the town, the railroad yards, empty freight cars, and even hobo jungles. Within an hour after the shooting, Sheriff Brayton arrived at Portola. Inch by inch, he and his men searched the restaurant where Dilt had been shot. The only evidence the crime they could find was the pool of blood where Dilt had lain. Next day, Sheriff Brayton is joined by J.J. Foley, special agent for the Western Railroad. Hello, Brayton. How are you, Foley? I'm tired. Spent the morning phoning all the boys to be on the lookout for the bird who shot Gilt. I rode in with Groom, the chief. I have to put in all my time on this case. And from the looks of things, we're going to have a sweet time of it. Why? So far, all we've got is a crime. Not the slightest clue. Can't Lou give you a description? Yeah, the kind that makes your hair get gray before it's time. Doesn't know what the gunman looked like, huh? He hasn't the slightest idea for the man's coloring, size, features, or clothing. He thinks he wore a gray suit and had on cleaner clothes than the average hobo. How is Lou? Not so good. The bullet pierced the lung. He may not pull through. What does the doctor say? Says it'll be days before you'll know. Well, why don't you let her coast for a while, Sheriff? You've been going since 4 o'clock this morning. Let me take over. I guess you might as well that. I'm all in. Oh, by the way, here's the bullet they got from Bill's back. Good. I'll have a test run on it to find out the possible weapon used. Through the long night, as train after train puffed through the sleeping town, Foley and his men checked every car for suspects, hoping that their quarry had not eluded the net thrown out for him. Hour after hour, the officers asked, hoping somebody would make a false move or talk out of turn. Every jungle was turned upside down without success. Then next day, Constable McIntosh brought a woman to the office to talk to Foley. Uh, Jim, uh, this is Mrs. Reese. She's a mortician. She thinks she might have a lead on this case. Well, I can't think of anything I'd rather have right now, Mrs. Reese. Well, it's only possible that I have something worthwhile. On the afternoon of the night Lou Dilk was shot, a man came to my back door. Evening, lady. Wonder if you'd help a fellow out with a bite to eat. Well, I suppose so. Just a moment, I'll see what I have in the icebox. Well, here's a little cold roast right. and some mashed potatoes, if you think you'd like that. Yeah, it'd be fine if you can spare them. Is Yes, if you don't mind. Well, just a minute. Say, uh, mind if I sit here on the steps while I eat? I know, go right ahead. Thanks. So he sat there and ate the meat and potatoes and bread I gave him. I noticed that he had on overalls over his clothes. Did he have on a coat? Yes, I believe he had on a dark coat. He was carrying a jumper and an overcoat. He was cleaner than most fellows who come around. I thought maybe he was one of the road boys who'd been out of work did, for a uh, while. Did he carry anything else that you saw? Mm, no, I don't think so. I did notice, though, that he had a bulge in the overcoat pocket such as a gun might make. Though I didn't pay any particular attention to it at the time. Was this fellow in a hurry? Who did you notice? Yes, I did. I noticed that he appeared nervous. Kept looking around as though he expected somebody to come around the corner. Did you notice which way he went when he left your house? Well, I think he went toward town. I found out later that he'd been in my garage. At least somebody had. Just so? How do you know? 
Well, I keep the ambulance in the garage, the hearse, rather, and when I went out later in the evening, both doors were open. There were several footprints in the dust inside the garage, and somebody had been inside the hearse. Both doors were open on it, and there were signs that somebody had hidden in there. I see. What did this hobo look like? Well, he kept his head down most of the time. I couldn't get a very good look at his face, except that I noticed he had exceptionally long eyelashes. But I'd know him anywhere if I ever saw him again. Well, I hope you get the chance, Mrs. Reese. Police speaking. Uh, Jim, this is Brayton at Oroville. Oh, yeah, Sheriff. What is it? I have a suspect in that call shooting. That's so? What does it look like? Bill, about 25, got dark hair and blue eyes. Has he got long eyelashes? Yeah, I think he has. Why? That's the description Mrs. Reese gave me. What sort of clothes is he wearing? A dark suit and a great hat. Okay. Hold him for me and send me pictures. Okay, Jim. Well, how are you feeling today, Lou? Not so good, Jim. Hurting you pretty bad, huh? Yes. Pretty bad. Look, Lou, do you feel well enough to try to identify some pictures? I guess so. Take a look at these. Is that the man who shot you? Let, let me see. No, no, Jim. That's not the man. Well, I sort of hoped that that was the one, Lou. It looks like that fellow's vanished completely. Well, you boys are doing all you can, Jim. Yeah, I know. But just the same, I wish I could get a lead on that bird. The doc says you got the bullet out of my back. Yes, I had Roger Green check up on it. It was the Smith & Wesson 44. No wonder it hurts so. Pretty good-sized slug, all right. We haven't been able to get a line on any gun that might have fired that slug, either. Time's up, Miss Foley. Okay. Well, so long, Lou. I'll drop in later. By the way, Miss Foley, the office has a telephone call for you. All right, thanks. I'll go and see about it. Got a call for me in here, Doc? Yes, I have, Jim. Right over here. Thanks. Hello. Uh, say, Jim, this is Mark Gordon. I've just been talk with Sergeant Washburn at the police station down here in Stockton. He and his partner, Ingalls, have arrested a suspect in the patrol case. Don't tell me there's another one. Yes. And this one's got a Smith & Wesson 44 Special on it. What? Yeah. You better run and take a run down here. And how? Tell Washburn to hang on to him. I'll be right down. We got your wire, and Gordon told us you were coming down. Yes, I want to get a look at this suspect you've got. Well, we'll bring him. And if he's sober enough to talk, you may be able to get something out of him. We decided to hold him when we found the gun on him, and then when we got your bulletin yesterday, we phoned Gordon about him. Well, this looks like the first definite thing we've had on this case. Oh, here comes our young gun-toting drunk now. Come on in, Moore. Sit down. All right, thanks, Joe. I'll call you when we get through with him. Okay. What's your name, son? Patrick Moore. Just the gun, Washington? Yeah. Where did you get this gun, Moore? I found it. If that's a gag, it's not a very good one. It's not a gag. Well, where did you find the gun? I found it about 10 days ago in a ditch close to D and R G W yards in Grand Junction. Colorado? Yeah. Uh, you didn't find this gun in a ditch, Moore. This is practically a new gun. 
Well, it was in a package. It was wrapped up with some other things. What else did you find on him, Washington? Oh, we found a fountain pen. Here it is. And a pocketbook and this Swedish coin. Hmm, 1747. Looks like there's some initials on this pen. Yeah, I make out C.S. on it. And that's what it looks like. More. You say these things were in the package? Yes, sir. There was a package laying in a ditch. I was walking along in the dark, and I stepped on it. I was with a couple of other fellows, so I didn't open it up, so I get back to the jungle. And I found this gun and a pen, a sweet half dollar, or whatever it is. Got a book, Watford? Yeah, a book and sentence for 15 days is Romer Vag. Good. Mind if I take this gun along? I want to get Green to see if that slug we got out of Bill's back matches this gun. No, we don't care what you do with it. Take it along. <laughs> Portola went fully to show mug pictures of the new suspect to the wounded Dilt. Still dangerously low, Dilt was able to partially identify the pictures as those of the man who had shot him. Sensing that he was on the right track, Foley took the gun to Roger Green of the Bureau of Criminal Identification and Investigation in Sacramento. Roger, here's the gun I think is the one used to shoot Lou Dilt. Let's see what you can find out. Okay. Let me take a look. Hmm. Looks like it might be a tad. And here's the slug we took from Dilt. Okay. I've got a record card on that one already. You'll have to fire a test bullet from the gun and compare them. Now for a little digging around in the waist. No, nuts. Where did that thing go? Oh, here it is. Let me see. Well, looks like it to me. Never can tell. They all look alike to the naked eye. At least, practically alike. Well, let's take a look at it with the microscope. There we are. Now, uh, just a little more to the left. Uh, there we are. Mm-hmm. Is it the same? Looks like it. Looks like it. Got you tell? Well, I wouldn't want to say till I'd had time to study it more. You guys in the ballistics department are positive creatures. Jim, when a human life is at stake, we can't afford to make rash statements. I've seen too many mistakes made by hasty examinations. Offhand, I'd say this gun fired both bullets. But before I go into court and swear to that, I'd have to do a lot of studying on it. Let me go. There you are. Now, wait a minute. There's a speck of dust on this test bullet. Hand me that camel hair brush, will you? Sure. Here. What difference could a speck of dust make? Well, under a microscope, it makes a willable difference. Might make the difference between being right and wrong. Still looks like the same bullet to me. That's what I said. Still, I'll have to study it before I'll give you a sure answer. All right. Now, let's check this gun number against the sales card. Now, what's that number? 29512. 29512. Let's see. 2829. No, no. No report of a sale on it. How about skeptical? Well, just a minute. We'll look. You say uh, 29512. That's right. No. No record of it being stolen. I wonder where that gun came from. Well, it's barely possible that Moore is telling you the truth. I doubt it. I'm going to wire this up to Groom and get him to check on this gun. (laughs) 
immediately telegraph and telephone wires began a steady hum as efforts were renewed to trace the gun found in Moore's possession. Meantime, Sheriff Braden and his men were tracing down every available lead that might bring news of the hold-up man's activity. On October 10th, Groom, Foley, and Sergeant Ingalls of the Stockton Police meet to question Moore. Uh, except for Moore, Groom, he'll be here in a minute. Fine. We'd like to ask him a few questions. What did you find out about that gun, Mr. Groom? Well, it was sold to Wolf and Clark, Fort Worth, Texas, on April 13, 1927. They sold it to Arnold Wolf of Denver, Colorado, in June 
John, bought September 1933 by C.N. Swenson. Family living in Durango now. Photograph Mark Moore, which you sent us, not the man. All right, Moore. Now we want the truth. We know this gun belonged to a man named Swenson. We've got pretty good reason to suspect that he never was in Grand Junction. His family reports that he hasn't been heard from in months. Now, what's the truth on this? I told you the truth. No, no, you didn't. We've sent your pictures to every place you said you've been to. We found that you were in Durango, Colorado at the same time this Swenson was. And you both disappeared at the same time. What did you do with Swenson? I never did nothing with him. I don't know him. Yeah. Well, take a look at that picture. Ever see that man before? Yeah, yeah, I think so. But yeah, that's Whitey. I met him in Thistle, Utah. Hmm, Thistle, Utah, eh? Well, that's Selden Swenson, and you met him in Durango, Colorado, didn't you? No, I didn't. I'll tell you how it was, you see. You see, Whitey and me, we met up with a fellow named Blackie. Hmm, colorful story. Go on. Well, this, this Whitey was a fighter. He was going up to Frisco to get him some fights. Well, what? When the three of us got here to Portola, we was killing time. One day, Whitey, he comes to Blackie and tells him he's in a jam. He has to beat it. He leaves his package with Blackie and, well, that's the last we've seen of him. Mm-hmm. What's the rest of it? Well, we get to drinking a little and we hop the reaper on the night of the 28th and feed it to Stockton. We were fresh out of funds when we got there, so we opened the package. Yeah, and... wait. Don't tell me. Let me guess. You found the fountain pen, the Swedish coin, and the gun. Yeah. That's right. Ah, listen, Moore, I've heard some goofy tales in my life, but this one takes the cake. Superior Court of the State of California, in and for the County of Plumas, is now in session. Judge J. O. Moncur presiding. Is the prosecution ready? Ready, Your Honor. Is the defense ready? Ready, Your Honor. You may proceed. Call Mrs. Alice Reed. Mrs. Alice Reed. Raise your right hand. You solemnly swear the testimony you're about to give in this case to be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I do. Please seated. Mrs. Reed, did you ever see the defendant, Patrick Moore, before today? Yes, sir. Where? On the back steps of my home in Tacoma, California. Uh, when was this? On the afternoon of September 29th last year. Uh, what was he doing at that time? Eating. <laughs> Thank you, Mrs. Reese. That'll be all. Questions? No questions. Call Lee Thomas. Lee Thomas. Raise your right hand. You solemnly swear the testimony you're about to give in this case to be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? No, I do. Take the stand. Mr. Thomas, have you ever seen the defendant, Patrick Moore, before? I have. Where? In the restaurant of the Western Railroad at Fort Dollar. Uh, what was he doing at that time? He came to the restaurant on the afternoon of September 29th and asked for some salt. And did you give it to him? I did. That is all. Questions? No questions. Call Clifford Swenson. Clifford Swenson. You solemnly swear the statements you're about to make in this court to be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Hey, do. Take stand. Mr. Swenson, are you related to Selden Swenson? Uh, he's my brother. Uh, where is he now? Uh, I don't know. We haven't heard from him for several months. Is he in the habit of going away without letting you hear from him? Uh, no, sir. Uh, Mr. Swenson, 
I show you a fountain pen. Did you ever see that before? Uh, yes, sir. I gave it to my brother for his birthday two years ago. How do you identify it? By the initials C.S. carved on it. I offer this as Exhibit A for the people for identification. So answered. Mr. Swinton, do you recognize this coin I hold in my hand? Uh, yes, sir. It is a Swedish coin dated 1747. It belonged to my great-grandfather, and he gave it to my father, and he gave it to my brother. I offer this as Exhibit B for the people. For uh, identification? Yes, sir. So entered. Mr. Swenson, I show you a gun, Smith & Wesson, and ask you if you recognize this gun. Uh, yes, sir. My brother uh, bought it just before he left home. He recognized a little nick in the barrel uh, on top there. I offer this as People's Exhibit C for identification. So entered. Uh, thank you, Mr. Swenson. Your witness. No question. Call Roger Green. Roger Green? Raise your right hand. You solemnly swear the evidence you're about to give in this case to be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I do. Big stand. Mr. Green, state your occupation, please. Ballistic expert, California State Bureau of Criminal Identification and Investigation. Are your duties concerned with the investigation of firearms to determine whether a given weapon has fired a given bullet? They are. And did you, on or about October 5th of last year, Mr. Green, examine a Smith & Wesson revolver delivered to you by one James Foley? I did. I show you People's Exhibit C and ask you, is that the same gun? It is. And how do you identify the gun? By the number, 29512, and by this peculiar nick on the barrel. And did you on that date fire a test bullet from this gun? I did. And did you compare that bullet with another bullet given you by James Foley? I did. And what was the result of the comparison of those bullets? Both bullets were fired from the same gun. I show you a bullet here. Is that the bullet given you by James Foley? It is. And did he tell you where he got the bullet? He said it had been taken from the body of Lewis Dill. Objected to. Hearsay testimony. Sustained. That is all, Mr. Green. Thank you. Your witness. No question. Call Lewis Dilt. Lewis Dilt? It'll be necessary to clear a passage in the court. Mr. Dilt is confined to a wheelchair. You solemnly swear the testimony you're about to give in this case to be the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth? I do. Uh, Mr. Dilt, where were you at 3 o'clock on the morning of September 29th? I was at work in the company restaurant at Portola. And what, if anything unusual, happened on that night? Why, I was shot. Uh, Mr. Dills, I want you to look around this courtroom. Do you see the man in this room who shot you? Yes. Can you identify the man? Yes. That is the man who, who shot me. That man, Moore, sitting right there. Your Honor, the state rests. Get the most for our money. 
And that is one of the reasons so many sober-minded motorists are driving into red and white Rio Grande stations these days for low-cost-per-mile police car performance, Rio Grande cracked gasoline. You will be convinced, if you try the various brands, that the officials of city, county, California state, and federal governments know what they are about when they specify Rio Grande to power their emergency equipment. And when you learn, as tens of thousands have, that this superior gasoline gives you more for less money. You will stick to Rio Grande Cracked for the sake of your pocketbook and the thrill of police car performance. Patrick Moore was found guilty as charged, and on June 4th received a sentence prescribed by law. He is now serving time in San Quentin. Four months later, Selden Swenson was located in Utah. He told of being slugged and robbed by Moore and a companion. Thus was the last vestige of doubt removed as to the guilt of Patrick Moore. His was another crime that did not pay. Lewis County Sheriff's Office calling all cars. Attention all sheriff's cars to cancellation of broadcast 221 regarding an attempt murder. Suspect this case is now in custody. That's all. Roll your work. This is your narrator, Patrick Lindsay, bidding you good night for Rio Grande.